Hi there, I'm Mark Ferguson from Next Gen Agri. Welcome to the Head Shepherd Podcast. On this podcast, we cover all things livestock through the amazing stories of the people that farm them and the people that study them. Our motto here at Next Gen Agri is farming in our hearts, science in our heads, and we really do love working as the bridge between innovation and farming. Before we get underway this week, I really want to take this opportunity to thank our friends at Allflex for coming on as, as sponsors to Head Shepherd. It's such a pleasure to be associated with such a great company, and we really do thank them for, for sponsoring this episode. I think the first tag I ever used were Allflex tags back when I was a kid when we first started breeding, and I've used Allflex tags throughout my entire career. They provide such a great product with exceptional service, and great to be associated with them now as, as sponsors of Head Shepherd. Welcome back to Head Shepherd, our first episode for our brand new season. And this week, we thought we'd take the opportunity to have a chat with Will Gibson, from who works with us here at Next Gen Agri, also very involved with, with Fulton Hill Genetics uh, with his parents down in, in Middlemarch. Welcome, Will. Yeah, cheers, Ferg, mate. That'll be, um, yeah, that'll be a bit of fun. Excellent, mate. So I thought we'd start off with having a bit of a yarn about, about well, I guess, where you got interest in genetics. I don't think... I come across many people as passionate about breeding things as you are. How did that all? How did that all begin? Yeah, mate. Um, certainly, pretty passionate breeder, um, and a lot of, uh, I suppose, a lot of different things going on in the the Fallen Hill genetics uh, space now uh, with cattle and, and sheep studs. But um, I guess it all started as yeah, very much a, a young fella. Um, you know, your typical typical farmer's son getting out there, following mum and dad around, and um, you know, wanting to, uh, to to be a farmer and, and whatnot, and the odd pet lamb comes across, and you look at that as a bit of opportunity, and I don't know what sort of spurred me into it, but I uh, was pretty keen on selecting a, a good ram, probably the best ram of the you know of the uh, of the farm, and it got my three ewes for the season, and and you go from there, but uh, you know, come um, you know, I think I was about 2004. I must have been yeah 10 or 11. Um, and ended up with a couple of black merino ewes, and um, that sort of really, really kicked the old genetics game off for me. Really cool. So that's yeah, and one thing that's obviously grown a lot since uh, since that time, and and something that's fairly unique to obviously there's a few coloured merinos going around, but I don't think I know of anyone that does it with with the amount of science and and rigor that that you do. So tell us a little bit about where that that black merino flock is is now these days, and sort of the processes you go through to to improve them, yeah, Ferg, it's um, that's certainly interesting, and it's yeah, I've had a few few looks over the over the years, and a few people ask a few questions about it. But um, the uh, the colour merino thing is, is something I'm, I'm hugely passionate about, and, and it has certainly come a long way since uh, my first lambing in, in 2004, um, and it was a pretty big deal back then. Um, out before school. Every morning uh, before I got on the bus at eight o'clock to, to go down to the old uh, Hacker Valley and then Kuria, um Primary Schools and rip around and, and tag any lambs and, and match them up to their mums and I think at that stage we had nine lambs for the year so she was a she was a big outing um, but yeah, I suppose every year it's just sort of grown from there really um, all with the intention of, of you know obviously selling a, a high end product uh, managed to. First few years, sales are spinners and weavers, and and you know the the local sort of handcraft market, and and then was lucky enough to to start building into once they had a couple of hundred kgs being produced into a small wool contract, and 
um, and moving on from there. So I suppose the the thing is, it's not just um, breeding a few coloured sheep for the 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 love of doing something different. It's it is about an end goal and an end market. So um, definitely a bit of a bit of a go about that, but. Where it is now, it's it's certainly moved a long way, and I've probably got um, yourself and and you know people I've come across through my working life to to blame for the amount of intensity that it has around that breeding program now. Um, since since you started working with um, with you at NZ Merino and and really getting into the the EBV and and EID and, and recording and, and and the power that all of that has 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 really spurred that on. So since uh, twenty fifteen. Everything's been EID tagged and continue to, to still tag everything at birth, birth way now as well. Um, all of these animals are in uh, Marina Select, uh, EBVs being produced. So um, to the best of my knowledge, I'd be the the only coloured Merino flock doing that. Uh, I'd like to like to know if anyone else is doing that, though. It would be useful to know. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, so there's a lot of, lot of data recording going on. Yeah, and I think it's, I mean, definitely amazing how you can use that, what is a sort of a fairly simple gene. Once like once you know what you're doing with it, it's you can sort of bring it into pretty handy white merino genetics can come in and then be sort of mated back to black and all of a sudden you've got some pretty powerful, very high data individual which are, which are pure black, which is pretty cool. Yeah, so it's, once again, um, I'd, from 2004 through to 2016, 16, I uh, had never used a white ram in my flock. It was always uh, coloured rams I'd either breed or um, the odd stud breeder might uh, might have a, a black ram um, pop out somewhere and you manage to get a hold of them before they get their heads cut off. So uh, that was my uh, that was my way of genetic gain, which, um, to be honest, was probably just milling around it, uh, if not going backwards. So... We um, had a bit of a talk with um, with mum and dad, obviously, around this. They're, they're a big part of this as well and, and about what our plan was. And um, obviously, the, the coloured wool still was a, a, a big part of um, how the farm was, was ticking over and, and we still want to continue that. But to get those, you know, higher production genetics and, and probably easier care genetics into the, the frame, we were, were going to have to take on some, some AI Um and, and certainly in the workspace that we are, Ferg, we um, do come across some pretty uh, pretty awesome rams that we can uh, use in the system. So that's been a pretty cool adventure the last um, year since the, the first, or used, a, used a, a white ram in 2016 and then AI for the first time in 2017. And, and the adventure since there has been pretty cool, actually, to... Um, to, to watch that progress and and yeah so essentially uh yay um ai some black use to a, a high performance white merino ram and and all of those progeny unless that ram's got a black gene will come out white um but they all also carry the black gene and then using them back back across uh black use um will 50 50 chance of having black lambs 50 50 percent chance of having white lambs so the process is a wee bit slow but obviously using ram lambs and and you know mating um mating new lambs and and that sort of stuff does speed up the process so within um within two years there i've um gone from having some you know they were all right sheep but um and and the database sort of system um pretty pretty below par that's for sure uh across every aspect um and you know now having uh, 
fully coloured uh, black merinos running around in the 180, 190 index uh, for dual purpose plus, um, having white parentage on both sides. So uh, pretty exciting to um, to see what that's going to do for the production of the the uh, bluestone coloured merino flock going forward. Yeah, very cool. And uh, we obviously first worked together at New Zealand Merino and we both, uh, I think, learnt a lot out of that experience in terms of getting connection to the end market and and all, both of us have been, you more than me, obviously, but uh, in conversations with those overseas brands which are, are very passionate about the opportunity of of having a product that doesn't need to go through the dyeing process, it's, it stays, it keeps its strength uh, better and obviously dyeing is, is a, a fairly heavy, heavily polluting sort of uh, process. So, yeah, the opportunity is enormous for a natural fibre that can and through the different shades and and you have not not touched a dye is is pretty cool and has a huge future in my mind mm, no nah, for sure Fergie. i think that's um yeah like we've we've been lucky so far to to have been able to to sell wool into yeah some some smaller um smaller brands and producers and and taking away that way but certainly for 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 myself and, and the family down here it's it's just sitting sitting there ready to to go really in our minds um with um yeah with the way the world's going and and with the the quality of the product um you know we're we're really really keen wool producers um at fulton hill and and that and that went into the type of sheep we were trying to breed. Um, you know, easy easy production, um, easy processing wool, and and being able to you know, obviously not die is is going to be um, you know a big thing I think going forward. But yeah, just taking out that extra extra um, pass that it doesn't have to go through, and and the colours itself, it, it's pretty cool. At shearing time, um, we class the uh, class the colours into into four shades um, or four main shades, so three shades of grey, the lightest grey. Being a, a blue grey down to uh, blue grey silver, um, you know it's a it's a pretty awesome colour down there. A, a mid grey, a, a dark grey, or or an off black type, and then your absolute jet black. Uh, so it is it is quite a array. Um, certainly the shearers and wool handlers um, enjoy their their couple of days here. It's it's something quite different for them. But um, when you explain the the the, the process and the end uses and, and that sort of stuff, they really get behind it, which is um, really exciting too. So it's, um, yeah, no, it's a, it is an exciting process. It's um, it's not for the faint-hearted. There's, you know, there's tough periods there when um, you've got to stockpile wool for a couple of years till you have enough volume. But um, I think going forward, certainly I'd like to see, um, you know, there's, there's, there's room to, definitely room when you talk to those um, bigger end producers out there um, there's some some real keenness but it is a sort of balancing act between uh, producing enough but also still keeping it um, niche as well yeah, yeah no it's fantastic uh, I guess moving on you don't uh, you don't only breed sheep down there at Fulton Hill there's there's sort of, well three cattle studs I suppose now that you're you're involved with you tell us a little bit about about those yeah, so cattle, um, you know, people always ask, you know, what are you most keen on, sheep or cattle? And I suppose it's at the time if I'm working with sheep, I'm bloody keen on sheep on that day. And if I'm working with the cattle, it's, um, you know, extremely keen on cattle on that day as well. So certainly passionate about both um, both ends of the spectrum there. Um, and also in the, the sheep department, we do have a, a terminal stud, a Suffolk stud um, as well, which... Um, does keep things interesting a, a different kettle of fish the old merino as well when working with them in the sheep yards but um it's all about 
I suppose it's all about the end goal and what they've got to do. So once again, it's it's genetics and and you know working out that end goal and trying to do that job properly. But um, yeah, certainly in the the cattle sphere, um, mum and dad started a Santa Gertrude stud back in two thousand four, and that was sort of the I suppose the year that. Uh, the, the Gibsons started being stud breeders with uh, 2004 being uh, the first year of the Santa Gertrudis cattle and, and 2004 being the first year that I started uh, tagging the lambs at birth in the, in the coloured merinos and it's all sort of grown from there quite quickly. Um, 2009, um, I had a bit of, bit of cash up my sleeve and um, thought that starting a Hereford stud would be something of interest to me and in 2009 uh, bought four Hereford cows, so that was the the start of the the cattle game for me to have the have skin in it, which has been um, been probably I reckon the the cattle involvement's been a, a massive thing for me um, for development in in the ag industry. I think that's something that um, yeah I'll always really appreciate being a a cattle breeder as the the cattle breeder community and and probably the events that have been held as a as a younger fella um you know you've, you've got your national sales that were a big deal through those um early years of my you know sort of my high school time um where you're really starting to look at where you're going and what you're wanting to do and and making those those early contacts around the industry and you know did a lot of lot of years going to the north island to compete in the the future beef hoof and hook competition as well and that's um, that's been massive. The amount of people I know around the country and and around Australia prior to um, obviously working for Marino New Zealand and then for Next Gen Agri, um, you know, it's just started that uh, started that community, I suppose, out there and, and those contacts, which has been great. So really appreciate that cattle cattle involvement. But um, yeah, I think the same thing with the the cattle applies to the sheep. We're we're trying to breed, you know, a, an animal that's going to be useful for um, for an end market and. The Herefords I see is, uh, you know, I'm pretty passionate about them as a breed. Um, you know, they've got a, a heap to offer the, the beef industry. Um, obviously, uh, a lot of Herefords are used in the dairy industry now, so they're, they're a good marker for white face um, marker and that. But, you know, the the beef side of things is not to be forgotten as well. Um, obviously, Angus has had a big push with their um, carcass abilities. But I think, first and foremost for us, it's um, producing a cow that's going to do the job year in, year out, because uh, if that cow doesn't produce a calf, um, it's a pretty uneconomic uh, option on um, New Zealand country. So, yeah, pretty uh, pretty driven to produce a, a pretty handy um, yeah, beef animal there. And the uh, Santa Gertrudis is a, an interesting breed to uh, have, in, have in New Zealand, especially as far south as what we are. There's a few, um, few running around the North Island, but finding them a really good addition in the, the Middlemarch country and before that when we were based up the Hacker Valley, um, two areas that, that do get bloody dry at times and um, certainly are not easy farming environments. So those sort of cattle coming out of um, you know their big base in Australia have um, have a fair bit of hardiness behind them um, and, and can get the job done under some pretty tough environments um, as well as a few sort of, I suppose, bonuses, which um, has probably been more of our seller to our uh, clients buying them which is the the um, ease of carving low birth weight high growth rate um, maximum hybrid vigor because they're a boss indicus uh, breed versus the boss taurus and also they don't bloat so there's another job you don't have to do with them cool yeah you've sold them well mate no so yeah some, some really <laughs> interesting really interesting combination of, of breeds and then uh, an angus stud you've got a bit to do with as well um i guess moving on to 
to Next Tanoga. We've had the pleasure of working together since since you left uni, really, and um, been fantastic. To we've had some fantastic experiences and some and some some less than less than fantastic ones, probably. But uh, meant, yeah, awesome time and uh, been great to have you on board here at Next Tanoga pretty much since since we got going. Do you want to just um, I guess go through your the kind of work the kind of people we work you're working with and the kind of work you do for them? Yeah, I suppose it's yeah, it's certainly been uh, been an experience. There's been a lot of character building over the time, and it's um, yeah. I think these are these are the things. Uh, certainly, I don't know. You're never really uh, too sure where you see yourself when you leave uni, but I'm uh, pretty fortunate to have been employed by um, by yourself and and while you're at Marino New Zealand um, doing that job, and and that's really kicked started a lot of stuff for me and and really um, cemented that passion, I suppose for. For me as well, um, but then uh, yeah, when you decided to to take the leap and and um, go out on your on your own with um, Next Gen Agri, you and Nisha, it's pretty um, pretty exciting to be um, be able to be part of that as well. Um, which I think it's been been two years now, isn't it, Ferg? We've been, uh, two, been in almost the... almost two and a half. Well, two yeah. and a half, nearly nearly three. Yeah, yeah so we're uh, certainly kicking on well there, which is which is bloody cool. So, um, but no, the, the top work we do here, I suppose it's 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 a continuation of the the passion of, of genetics, really working with um, both commercial and and stud breeder clients, um, both in Australia and New Zealand, is um, is pretty bloody rewarding. Uh, a fair bit of time, obviously spent analyzing and, and data work but I suppose it all comes I, I really do see the benefit of obviously collecting good data and then being able to use good data um, for the selection and and um, breeding of, of animals whether yeah, whether it be sheep or cattle so um, you know the the work that we do there's a lot of work goes into it but there's a lot of a um, lot of benefit coming out of it and, and seeing those results. Uh, probably in the commercial aspect is is what's most rewarding. The stud breeder stuff's really enjoyable, um, and obviously the the genetics and seeing where they're flowing through is is where the passion lies. But um, you know, really seeing the the changes that um, can happen in a commercial operation with purchasing the right rams or, or bulls and and getting those jobs done right is is um, yeah, I suppose that's the that's the job satisfaction uh, where that comes in there. Um, you know, being part of, of, you know, obviously we're part of the next gen team, but then being part of all of our clients' teams is, um, you know, is, is a, a really, um, really rewarding part of, of working in this consultancy space. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. hundred percent. Couldn't have said it, couldn't have said it better, mate. The, uh, the, the people we work with are, are amazing and we get to, yeah, we get to witness the power of genetics on an almost daily basis, which is, which is really unique and and really quite special. And I guess for you, it's you can be getting files from anywhere from Western Australia to the South Island to the North Island, and and getting CSV files and turning it into information and helping. I guess helping turn turn what can be just a big file of numbers into into some information pretty quickly is I guess what what clients love about working with you that they'll get it often at uh, within a very short space of time we'll get a, a summary of what they've done the day before which is which is pretty cool because the information well i guess data becomes information once you can once you can manipulate and turn it into look at those sire averages or those birth type averages or or just those different groups which is pretty powerful stuff yeah no for sure and i think that's the that's the thing as well once you get invested or you become invested in that that client's business um you know you've you've got you know the want and the, the need to see that information um, come back as well, and yeah, turning that around quickly. I think the 
the stud breeder end of things, obviously a lot of information is collected and, and um, yeah, you're completely right. It could be uh, could be Australia, could be New Zealand, could be anywhere, phone calls, bloody emails, um, text messages, every 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 bloody every uh, kind of hour. It's um, there's always a lot coming in which is which is great and it means that people are, you know, doing the jobs out there and, and they're out in the coal face doing it, so we need to turn it into something useful. So um, certainly in the stud breeder side of things, obviously a lot of a um, lot of work going into producing or you know, help help those studs produce some some credible EBVs and that's another pretty big stickler for me. I'm um, massive on accuracy and, and all about credibility. Um, honestly, rams being produced out there that can be sold with um, you know with a, a lot of backing behind them, knowing that they're going to do that job and um, really you know uh, back up that stud and back up those numbers that are behind them. And then um, you know going on from there and the and the commercial aspect of things and especially around usage of EID and and that there's um, a lot of theories around that, but I think. Uh, Certainly, most commercial producers are, are busy enough as it is without trying to turn a, a, a spreadsheet into a, into data that they uh, can try and get their head around. And but with the with the right information being collected at the right stages, um, we can certainly see the benefit of that. And there's a lot of uh, a lot of data coming back from yeah from commercial producers. It's it's really really useful. So it's exciting to see those sort of aspects of the of the job as well. Really. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And. I guess the other thing that's great about your combined skill set, I guess, is that through that cattle background and through that sort of breeding for a long time, even though you're not that old, you've been doing it for for a while. And I guess combining that what we're seeing with what the data is telling us and and making sure we're not causing any structural problems or whatever, being very careful with the phenotype as well as as well as all that data is 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 pretty unique in in our game. Yeah, I think it's. Um well, much like yourself, Greg, we, we both sort of came from a relatively similar background of being um, phenotype type people for a start, breeding um, breeding stock at a young age, and and when you when you do that, you you know I've been involved in showing a fair bit and been involved in you know judging and, and those sort of things, and you know the the traditional aspects of that have been um, you know relatively good grounding in the fact that you do look at animals that have to be you know, walking the right way and, and looking the right type and all that sort of stuff as well now with being able to combine the um you know the numbers behind it to actually produce the you know the the next the next step of um of, of animal I suppose. And I think that's been yeah been massive for me. Um you know, we, we don't just go in there and, and throw some numbers, you know, throw throw animals out just because their numbers are good. We've got to have the right um the right type and behind them and right structure and and nail all of that too because there's um yeah no, there's plenty of that I've got um you know working working with the family situation down here as well it's um probably good um good grounding too there's a there's a fair bit of uh, traditional traditional mindset still coming through at times which is um which is good but I think that's that's sort of um needs to be done it's it's not one way or the other it's it's combining the combining the whole um I suppose the whole book really and 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 working it all together so you're definitely a, a positive of of sort of growing up in this environment being able to take that out to um to clients as well yeah exactly excellent i guess just just quickly looking to the future what are you what do you see as the exciting things going forward uh, for me, I think like we're you know everyone's everyone's thinking like we're obviously seen a massive uptake in, in EBVs in the in the final game over here. Um, I think it's a it's a continuation of um, being involved and and um, seeing you know the new heights that can be achieved um, by using 
uh, as much you know as much data as we can to push that forward. Um, we certainly haven't reached the the perfect shape yet. Where um, you know every day you're working working towards it, but doing that um, certainly like. I'm pretty excited about the the coloured marina thing. I, I suppose I've been excited about that since, that since 2004, but still, just you know, pretty pretty passionate and pretty hard hard head about that sort of stuff. And just um, yeah, I can really see that that going forward. And I think um, you know, I think the agricultural sector in, in New Zealand and and Australia, it's certainly um, you know certainly going through some some interesting times at the moment. And certainly, COVID's put a put a bit of a, a, a change on how we how we look at things, but. Um, I think it's all opportunity. Um, we've got a, a great opportunity now to, to springboard off some stuff. Obviously, the way things are sold, I think that's going to be pretty exciting going forward. Um, a lot of online formats, and I think you know people, especially in Australia, have probably scored as much visual information on sale rooms as they've ever done before. Which I think um, there's no need to discontinue those sorts of things. And some of the um, yeah, certainly technology space and agriculture, there's massive opportunities there as well. So. Um, you know, facial recognition. You know, who knows where that could lead. Um, you know, what uh, efficiencies and and production gains we could see in in animal agriculture. Um, and I think with all of that as well, with the the pressures that are on, we're we're looking at production, but we're also looking at animal welfare and, and how we do things better. So, all of that combined is certainly going to have. Um, you know, I can't see myself being in in any other industry for the rest of my career anyway. With all the excitement and all of the, uh, you know, the potential coming forward, it's not going to be easy. But it's um, certainly no other place I'd rather be. Yeah, that makes two of us, mate. And yeah, yeah, no, fantastic to to catch up today. Really, really appreciate it, and yeah, we very much appreciate all that you do at, at Next Gen Agri, as as do all our clients. Uh, very, very unique set of skills and. And an ability to get stuff done against all odds, and yeah, no, very much appreciated, and and look forward to many many fruitful years going forward, getting towards those perfect sheep and and cattle. Yeah, mate, no, very much look forward to it, and I appreciate this, and uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully the old person finds this relatively entertaining. So um, <laughs> yeah, no, bloody good. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Thanks again to our friends at Allflex for sponsoring this episode. Allflex are wonderful supporters of the Australian and New Zealand livestock industries. They've got great products with exceptional service and we really do enjoy our long-term association with Allflex and really do thank them for sponsoring this episode.